the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Cooper 5 Deep Dive. I'm Mike Calabrese and I am joined by Mike Ionello. And I have three things I want to get into. Number one, was there a hotter man in the Action Network app than you, Mike, over the weekend? I believe you went 15-3-1 on your plays. Let me just ask you, do you did you go out and buy a lotto ticket? Did you roll that into NFL week one? Like, does the mojo keep going or do you feel like that was too good to be true? 15-3-1? Like, that's incredible. Just a yeah, monster week. Of course, it did suck. FAU was my best bet. Of course, that was one of my three losses. But yeah, I, I think I won my. I think I started like, I think it was like eight and zero after the noon slate. So already there, you're like, well, this is we're we're building something here, folks. And then I had to sweat a lot. I had a couple of parlays, but like I had one parlay that had Utah, Oregon, and Auburn in it. So like just sweating all day. Pretty much gave it all back on Sunday betting NFL, obviously, but. Yeah, it was it was one of the best Saturdays I've ever had. Just an absolute monster day. Speaking of the Saturday slate, I have a little confession here. I actually love this slate on Saturday. I hate it. I hate you it so and much. I, when you and I were trading notes, <laughs> you're like, this is one of the ugliest slates. I had 14 either plays or leans just from the group of five. Like I had, that's how much I like this slate. So so everyone listening, between Calabrese's confidence. I hate the slate. I have no confidence in my bets. And coming off 15 and three, fade me and tail Calabrese this week. Before we get into our G5 Hero of the Week, which is our favorite way to kick things off, I have one more little nugget to share, and that was a double dip. This is like my officially, this officially makes my weekend anytime this happens. Trent Dilfer loses which was, you know, the Georgia Southern, Gata, they just held up their end of the bargain. They dropped 49 points on his head. They forced three turnovers. And Chad Millman, the esteemed Chad Millman, was tailing me on that one. So I was feeling the pressure down the stretch. They get the turnover in the final minutes to end up sealing that game, covering. They win by 14. On top of that, I get Butch Don't Kill My Vibe turning into Butch Better Have My Money. Arkansas State gets rolled again. They lose 37-3. to so you're the official math correspondent. Seventy-three nothing to Oklahoma, thirty-seven to three to Memphis. That equals one hundred and ten to three in the first two weeks of the season for the Red Wolves. Is that correct? Uh, something like that. No, I listened back to the podcast. My math for that Oklahoma game <laughs> made no sense. I was, the ninety-five percent available yards made sense, but then my brain was like, "Oh, ninety-five five yards." I'm like, and I listened back. I'm like, that makes no sense, Mike. So I think someone even called me out on it. Yeah. Not a math guy, clearly. Um, but be honest, were you more excited about the UAB loss? The Chad telling you, Chad winning money was made you feel better than you winning money, correct? Oh, 100%. I don't care, <laughs> I don't care about my money. I told so many people. I was telling the sandwich guy at Wawa, like, you got to fade Trent Dilfer. And he was like, I'm just trying to make a bacon sizzly here, guy. Like, please stop with this UAB talk. 
Georgia Southern, I, I got to sing their praises even more. They went 10 for 13 on third down. Davis Brin was magnificent. Like, I just love Statesboro. They are now, I believe, 20 and 11 as a favorite since moving up to FBS. They're just an absolute ATM. So I love what the Eagles gave us there. No spoilers. I don't know your picks. UAB is a favorite this week. So we'll see. Well, I, I mean, I'll tease it out. I, I mentioned on on X on Twitter that I had a little bit of a gem of a Trent Dilfer moment. Obviously, I watched the whole press conference. You know, <laughs> I, I sat down. I really enjoyed myself, and you know, just to see him squirming up there and say, oh, "I haven't lost in two years" because he was coaching freaking Tennessee high school football. No crap, Trent. So to see him have to eat it and then say some truly unhinged stuff like this. I married a smoke show, and I have awesome kids. And she wasn't as hot, and my kids were annoying, and my food sucked, and that's kind of where I'm at. Now, my grandson's still the best human ever. That, that I can't, that didn't change. But my wife knows. My kids know. Like, th- this is not what we signed up for. That, that is not a representation of anything I believe in, uh, anything that's been preached around here, and, and it's my job to get it fixed. I just, I, I, I can't even get into unpacking the mindset you have to be in to reference that your wife isn't quite as hot when you lose and your kids are more annoying. Like the amount of self-confidence, I I go back and forth on this guy. Like I'm almost impressed by how strange he is. And the fact is like, I'm going to fade him multiple times this season and it's going to be great. And I know for a fact, I'm going to get these press conferences. So it's phenomenal. All right. We've, we've, news, news Trent. Your wife is going to be ugly by the end of this year. <laughs> <laughs> we've delayed the G5 Hero of the Week long enough. I'm going to get this started real quick. If anyone was watching, and by anyone I mean the closest family members, maybe some friends... Definitely not any girlfriends, no smoke shows. Shout out to Trent Dilfer watching Akron versus Morgan State. But my hero is Brian McCoy. Scoops up a fumble with under a minute to go as Morgan State is running out the clock. The game-winning TD. But it clued me into something that I was unfamiliar with, which is the turnover tire. (laughs) And for those who are not, you know, rich on their Ohio history, Akron is the rubber city. Goodyear tire, that's where they make all this crap. They throw it over the guy's head, and he's walking around like it looks like he's like got a big chain on. It was incredible. Two of them, two of them on. Yeah, two of them. It was just like, what a great idea! And I know the Miami Hurricanes get a ton of crap for like the turnover chain. They started off a chain reaction of these turnover chains, and they just keep getting better at the G five level. Like I didn't think anyone could top the UNLV slot machine, but the Akron rubber tire around the neck, like is so phenomenal. Like I, I figured they'd go some kangaroo themes, like jump into the pouch, like a Joey or something, but no, the tire was much better. I'm glad I left it to the sharper minds there in Akron. What was your G5 it's hero? So, it's so perfectly matched into, it's just so perfectly Mac. Uh, my G5 hero of the week. I'm going with rice running back, Dalen Alexander with maybe my favorite stat line ever. Five carries, 13 yards, three touchdowns, just efficient as they come. If he ain't getting pay dirt, he don't want the ball. He had a one-yard TD run in the second overtime and converted the two-point conversion to give Rice a 43-41 overtime win over Houston, which makes it even better for the G5 hero because Houston abandoned us, so they're dead to us. So I have an even extra hate for the teams that left the G5 because they left us. They left our little family. And Dalen Alexander put him in the grave 
probably put Hogo out of a job. So his seat's maybe the hottest in the country right now. So Dalen Alexander, you are my hero of the week. Five carries, three. That's like an old school, like Mike Tolbert stat line. Love it. What a stat line. I love that. Shout out to, to Stucky and Colin. I believe both of them were on Rice on the BBOC live show on Saturday. Yep. You know, talk about being an early investor in a team popping off. And now when they get into conference play, like, Sky's the limit. This could be a seven or eight win race team. JT Daniels Daniels looked good. All right. We're going to get into best bets here. And you said you didn't like the slate. And I think I know why based on my best bet. You can't find it in your heart to back the Liberty Flames because they're not your team. You're not riding and dying in Conference USA. You're a Western Kentucky guy. I get that. But they're only a three and a half point favorite at Buffalo. And this like doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because all of the offseason we talked about, Jamie Chadwell is a phenomenal coach. He's a brilliant offensive mind. Does he have a quarterback? You adamantly said they did not have a quarterback in that room. And I optimistically said they got like four guys in there. Maybe one will pop. Kyden Salter is popping. He was a four-star at high school, goes to Tennessee, gets thrown up for marijuana. It's like, what is this, 1967 marijuana possession? Like, But Tennessee's loss, Liberty's gain. He's looked really good. And he was you know, playing in limited action last year. Gets two starts here. Track and field star. So he gives you that dual threat you know, element to his game. But honestly, no turnovers, 544 total yards, six TDs through two games. Does the double dip, completed the quick lane bowl sweep, beating Bowling Green and New Mexico State in the first two weeks by double digits. And now here comes Buffalo. They're 0-2 on the year. We trashed them in the MAC preview. They just gave up 40 points to Fordham. Fordham's a good F- FCS school. I, I don't love the, like, the immediate bashing because the team's at the lower level. They're not trash. But to give up 40 points, that basically means you have no defense. And this was kind of their identity coming out of the Lance Leopold days. Like they were trying to continue that last year with, uh, you know, Brandon Bailey, who's now down at Georgia Southern. The defense was right at the top for havoc and almost every single metric. 40 points to the Rams, woof. So when I look at where they are now, they're 127th in total D, 105th in explosiveness allowed, almost dead last in PPA against the run. And Liberty can really run it. They got a dual threat. As I mentioned, they got a deep backfield. Chadwell has also faced Buffalo in the last two years at Coastal. So he knows the road trip. He knows Maurice Linguist inside and out. In 2001, they went on the road and won. Last year, they won by 12 at home, speaking of Coastal. So I think this is a great opportunity to get a really nice price on the Flames here. Buffalo is going to want to pass. And Liberty, you know, they had to rework a lot of their defensive pieces with a new coaching staff coming in, a lot of transfers. They've looked really strong against the pass through two weeks. I understand it's Bowling Green. It's New Mexico State but they're 12th in success rate when the ball's in the air. So I'm going to go ahead with Liberty here, lay the three and a half. I'd play this up to five and a half, six, to be honest with you. I think this is completely mispriced. What is your thoughts on the co-favorite in Conference USA? Well, Calabrese, I mentioned we don't share our picks ahead of time. So I may talk about this game a little bit later. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Then hit me up with your best bet of week three. Yeah, I'm going with Memphis. Minus 14 and a half against Navy. Uh, it scares me. This line has moved away from me. I bet it at 16 earlier in the week. It's now 14 and a half, but that kind of indicates how much I actually like it. Yes, Memphis has played nobody this year. They played Bethune-Cookman and Arkansas State. So they played an FCS school and also Bethune-Cookman. And they have outscored them 93 to 17. So it's hard to take much away from FCS games, but like you better pump them. Hennigan's completed 73.8% of his passes, which has kind of been his MO for his whole three years. They have four really good running backs who are all running the ball, a super deep receiving room. Joseph Skates returned last week, which is big. He got a really nice touchdown pass. Like I said, I'm not taking much from the first two games, but it is worth noting 
Memphis currently ranks fifth in success rate, fourth in explosiveness, fourth in finishing drives, and fifth in havoc rate on defense. Their defense has looked awesome through two weeks. Again, big grain of salt, but if you play bad teams, I want you to shut them down, and they did. Kind of like I do most years. I just don't think Navy's very good. They don't look good this year. They got steamrolled by Notre Dame, which is somewhat understandable. Notre Dame looks awesome, but it was still way worse than we thought it would have been and should have been. You know, 24 nothing against Wagner is kind of just like an eh. They threw 13 passes in that game. Kind of weird. I still don't think they run the ball effectively. They just, they run it a lot, but they're not really good at it. And Memphis was much better against the run than the past last year. Their biggest issues came getting pressure on the quarterback and giving up big passing plays, neither of which are going to be an issue against Navy. And you look at in the past, last year, Memphis beat them by 24. The year before that, they beat them by 18. Navy hasn't scored more than 24 against the Tigers since 2017. So they've had success stopping this triple option. I think Hennigan in this offense can pick apart the Navy defense, pull away here. I know the whole, you know, service academy is catching more than 14. I'm sure Stocky will end up at Navy, which I always makes me nervous. Hopefully, right now it's at 14 and a hook at BetMGM. Hopefully, we'll get it to drop to an even 14. Like I said, I took it at 16. So at the end of the day, I really like this play. I don't think Navy's good, and I really like what I've seen from Memphis. All right, let's climb into the trust tree here for a moment. If 100% is your confidence in this bet because of Memphis's ability on offense, and 0% is because you think that Navy is in a true year zero rebuild, where do you move that sliding scale? Are you fading Navy more? Or are you backing Memphis because you believe in the natural step the offense has taken in year three of Seth Hennigan? Probably more backing Memphis, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's probably 60-40, 60 back, backing Memphis, 40 fading okay. Navy. Okay, I, I think that's fair. And to be honest, I mean, I get that you have to discount a little bit of what Memphis has done, but it's not as though we don't have a sample size of Seth Hennigan running this offense for years. So I, I, I do think it's it's worthwhile to point out that the running back room looks great. All the things that you mentioned, I think I'm going to end up tailing you, particularly if it gets to 14. So I, I agree on that point. Now we turn to the G5 High Five. This is our round robin here for week three. We're going to give you five picks, package them together however you like. The round robins, you can do them by twos, by threes. There's lots of different ways to make these profitable. It also gives you an opportunity not to get stuck losing that last leg of a parlay and then being left with nothing. So you go four and one on these, you can really you know make some good money. So let's get started. The G5 High Five. Should we high five? High five! You're doing heavy lifting this week, Ionello. You have three of the five picks. What do you have for the first one? Well, Calabrese, give me Liberty. Give me Liberty. Or oh, me there we go. Okay. I was like, I don't know. I don't think this guy can do Buffalo. I don't think he can pull the trigger. This might be a total square play because I know Buffalo lost to Fordham. You lose an FCS team. You're kind of, it's like, don't bet against them. It's kind of square. And, you know, oh, of course they're, they're bad. I mean, sp- speaking of a spoiler, I'm going to kind of piggyback off the FCS doesn't mean anything to the next week game, but we'll get there in a moment. Perfect. But you mentioned it. We've, I've, I bet Buffalo's team total under, I didn't think they were good before the year. And I Fordham didn't really change my opinion. You mentioned it. Yeah. Fordham's a good FCS team, but they also have a new offensive coordinator. They have a new quarterback because uh, Fagnano's at UConn. He just got hurt, which sucks. And they went into Buffalo and dropped 40 points on him. Montez threw for 309 yards and five touchdowns. And when you think about, I was so in love with this Bulls team with Lance Leopold. I bet them every week. And they did two things exceptionally well. Run the ball with Jarrett Patterson and create a ton of havoc with their D-line. And they're horrible at both. 3.6 yards per carry. I don't think Cole Snyder's good. Their offense is 132nd in explosiveness, 110th in finishing drives. 
and you meant yeah you mentioned the you know liberty hasn't played a ton of teams but they got the job done and, and you said it salter never going to be an elite passer if he can give me two touchdowns and no picks every game they're gonna we're gonna win 10 or 11 games and the one area liberty has struggled is giving up explosiveness but buffalo can't create big plays so like i'm not really worried about that who cares I know this is a square play because it kind of looks too good to be true. I know Stucky's on Buffalo, which I hate. I know Liberty is a cult, which I also hate. But I just trust Jamie Chadwell to get this done. I think the Flames are more than four points better than Buffalo. So give me Liberty. All right. I'm going to go from a big game like Liberty-Buffalo to one, you know, off the radar a little bit. Alabama's only laying 32 at South Florida. I just... I don't see this, to be honest. Like, I was expecting it to be basically a carbon copy of the Middle Tennessee line. And there's going to be an article dropping on Wednesday morning in the Action app. I'm basically going through all the historical data on Nick Saban losing as a top six team early in the season. What happens after that? I'll just spoil it right here. The zombie tide are a serious thing. And this goes back, back actually to his time at LSU as well. 53-7 and seven straight up, 34-26 and 26 against the spread. The last three years that they lost early at Alabama, 2015, 2021, 2022. The Tide won the national championship in 2015. They appeared in the college football title game in 2021 against Georgia after whipping the Bulldogs at full strength in the SEC title game. And then in 2022, last year, you saw what happened. But still, even with last year having some issues post the Tennessee loss, they still in that that three-year stretch, that three sample sizes of seasons, 25 and two straight up and a profitable 15 and 12 mark against the closing number. The, the Bama Texas game is interesting to me because I think this is a little bit of an overreaction to it where it's like Alabama looks mortal. They don't have that fear factor. Texas came in according to Bud Elliott with the seventh best roster from a blue chip ratio in the entire country. And I believe 24 seven sports, it's an identical seventh ranking in terms of team composite score in, in terms of their overall talent. Plus, they have Quinn Ewers, who, you know, even though he's only played, what, you know, 14, 15 games in college, I felt like that was his moment to finally break through. He was one of the highest rated high school passers in the history of recruiting services. So it's not like Alabama rolled over and lost to, like, you know, Kentucky on the road or something like that. And then I look at this particular game. The one thing that popped out to me, I try to look at the positives when there's a lot of negative narratives going around. Alabama's run defense looked great against Texas. When it came to their running backs, They gave up 3.1 yards per carry on 29 carries. They only gave up one carry of over 10 yards to a running back from Texas. So USF in year one, year zero, whatever you want to call it, it's a rebuild. They're going to get dump trucked in this game. And Alabama hammered Middle Tennessee. I like Middle Tennessee more than I like this USF team. So I'm not going to overthink it. And the final piece of it is I think we're going to see two or three quarterbacks from Bama here and not in the just go out and run the vanilla offense. I think they want to get a little bit of a look just in case they want to go to Buckner or they want to go to Ty Simpson. So I think you're going to get a motivated Milrow. I think he's going to play well coming off of his two interception performance. And I think the bench players are just going to eat in this game in front of what, let's call it like 20,000 max, you know, in Tampa, it's not much of a home field advantage. So Bama, I play this all the way up to 34 and a half. What are your thoughts on a huge number with an Alabama team that really needs to get off the mat with some big games coming up on their schedule? Yeah, I think, you know, the fear of these power five teams covering big numbers tends to be like, all right, do they get up big in the first half and then not throw the ball in the second half? It's like Bama can't throw the ball anyway. If Bama, if Bama has zero pass attempts, they'll win this game by 50. So if they're just like going to run the ball all day, that's almost 
better for you in this case. Like just let Milrow run the spread option or the read option all day and like don't ever let him throw the ball. So I think that actually helps kind of help you a little bit too. All right. What is your next entry to our round robin? All right. I mentioned it. The, the G5 hero against Houston, doing it again. You're dead to us, Cincinnati. Give me Miami, Ohio, plus 14 and a half. Look, Cincinnati got a big win last week against Pitt. Good for them. Everybody knows Pat Narduzzi, as a favorite, is basically the worst coach in football history. He's he's a moron, so I'm not really giving them that much credit for that. Djokovic looked terrible. Even in that game, since he had just a 38% success rate, they ran the ball well, but Emory Jones had just 125 passing yards. Yes, that Emory Jones is somehow still in college. He's Cincinnati's quarterback. In six years at three different schools, he has 40 touchdowns and 19 interceptions. I don't think he's very good at all. Defense did really well on a per-play basis, but Pitt had eight explosive plays in that game, and Pitt might be the least explosive team in the country, uh, you know, in Buffalo. And, you know, even even Eastern Kentucky had five explosive plays against uh, Cincinnati. So, you know... Through two games, they rank 119th in defending explosiveness against two teams you should not have any big plays to. Meanwhile, Miami, Ohio ranks 14th in the country in explosiveness on offense, especially through the air. Uh, Gabbert, we, we talked about him a lot in the preview show. I love Gabbert. Sure, they struggled against Miami, Florida, but that loss looks even better now. The Hurricanes, hey, the Hurricanes scored more points on Texas A&M than they did on the Red Hawks. So score one for the real Miami up in Ohio. They boat raced a UMass team that everybody thinks has improved. They had 8.4 yards for playing that one. Gabbert, 284 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Gabe Larvidane had nine catches for 248 yards and three Gabe scores. Gabe Larvidane is leading the nation in receiving yards, and yet there's some guys that have played three games behind him. So even spotting them a game, he had a 99-yard touchdown against UMass. Like The kid's an electric factory coming up from the FCS level. I think it was Southeast Louisiana. Just yeah, a great story, like and they needed them. And you look at, you know, Mac Hippenhammer, um, you know, some of these guys at Miami of Ohio over the years have been phenomenal. Usually we have to wait until Tuesdays in November for it to show, but Larvidane has come out on fire, wow. and he had 80 yards wow. against the Miami Hurricanes. So it's not like he's going to get shut down by the Cincinnati defense. Yeah, UMass had 280 yards. They scored on a block punt, so it looked a little closer than it really was. Miami, Ohio was my pick to win the MAC before the season. They have a great defense. They're really strong against the run, which again is kind of Cincinnati's MO. I trust Gabbert to stay within this number. It's also a great spot. The Bearcats are coming off a big win on the road at Pitt. And next week is their Big 12 debut against Oklahoma. So this is a brutal sandwich spot for them. 14 and a half, especially getting that hook. Give me Miami, Ohio. I love it. I'm going to go with another MAC team here. Fire up the Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. It's a trap. We got Notre Dame looking ahead to Ohio State. If there was ever a game to just be like, we're killing everybody. We just smoked NC State onto Ohio State's film. Central Michigan stinks. Fire up chips, baby. Plus 34 and a half. Listen, Central Michigan's offense looked awesome against an FCS opponent last week. But it was an FCS playoff team for last year. They're ranked 11th in the FCS rankings. And after the loss, they didn't move because everybody at that level of football knows that New Hampshire can play. And essentially, if you are a playoff FCS team, it's like a minor bowl team. So, like, to me, I think it should be viewed in that way. And I look at it as I wanted to see the Central Michigan offense put it all together. And they did. Emmanuel did his running thing. They ran for 236 as a team. He had some home run plays outside the pocket. Like, that I love. But he threw he threw two touchdowns. He threw two touchdowns, which which is the big element of it. It's like at least they're taking shots because you, by the time he breaks, 
you know, two or three big runs and they're moving the ball, you know, moving the sticks with the running game. You have to respect it. You have to bring seven or eight guys in the box. And I brought it up in the offseason talking about Tom Herman, like FAU, I think got an incredible, you know, discount to get somebody of his talent. Jim McElwain, I, you know, personally, I'm not the biggest fan of his, but I thought to myself, I'm like, maybe he got like a little bit of a raw deal at Florida. We're going to do a little quick trivia here. Obviously, he got fired from from Florida. Do you know what his record in the SEC was when he left in 24 games? How many of those do you think he won? 16. 16 and 8. You are correct, sir. (laughs) Like, I'm sure the Florida Gators would love to have a coach who wins, you know, two-thirds of his SEC games. Like, And then since he arrived with the Chips, they're the best betting team at the window in the MAC. They covered huge spreads last year against their two ranked opponents. They're catching 21 against Oklahoma State. That was sweat free. They're catching 28 at Penn State, another sweat free, you know, win there. So I don't know. I just see this as a big number, a look ahead spot if there ever was one for Notre Dame. And the Michigan State game, I went back and I watched some of the highlights. Um, You know, I had a small bet on the chips in that one. It was 10 7 at half. You know, they were gunning it out. They were trying their best to stay in the game. And that included getting stopped at the Michigan State 2 and an interception by Emmanuel Jr. at the Michigan State 30. So that's a game that could have been closer. They could have covered. I think you're getting great value here. I price it at like 29 and a half, 30. So to get it almost at 34 and a half, usually I don't like to talk about buying points in college football, but you know, just treat yourself. Just go to minus 145 or whatever and take it over the five touchdowns. If it doesn't get there, it doesn't steam up. Um, yeah, I love the chips here. I love Bert Emanuel Jr. Let's do it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you're not if you're gonna run up the score, isn't I mean McElwain sounds Irish, right? They gotta let off the let off the yeah, gas a little bit exactly. late for your yeah, good old Irish boy. I hate doing this. I'm sorry, Minor Nation. This might become a weekly thing. Give me Arizona minus 17. Breeze, I I think we saw this team quit on Dana Dimmel last week. I think this is you see, you see Dana Dimmel in the press conference? I'm just obsessed with press conferences. As well. <laughs> but he apologized. Oh, I have a job. I don't watch press conferences all day on my <laughs> Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, that, that's my job. Um, essentially, <laughs> he apologized to Harson. He said that, like, he screwed up. It was his play calling. Like, he hasn't put him in a position to win. And then yeah, Kai Loxley comes out of the hedges like, you know, Homer Simpson. And he's like, where was my apology when I was playing on a broken ankle like four years ago? It was like unbelievable the amount of like hate he was getting from former players, but then also kind of like at least he's owning up to the fact that he's not a good coach. If there was only a media personality who loved Penn state and was in the Philadelphia area who has been beating the drum that this guy cannot coach for years. So I give you kudos. You tried your best to talk me out of UTEP last week. I was stubborn. I thought Northwestern was really bad. Not relatively speaking, UTEP is garbage. So they I'm went, they, they went into that game. They went into that half tied seven seven, and they got their doors blown off. Northwestern outscored them thirty one nothing in the second half alone. The Wildcats might not score thirty one points the rest of the season. Hart, you mentioned it. Hardison was terrible. Whoever's fault it was, Dana Dimmel could apologize all he wants. He's not like going to magically just be better next week. Like, I'm sorry I sucked. I'll be better next week. They can't run the ball. Dana is so bad at finishing drives, converting third downs, all the little things, right? Everything that you can look at and be like, that's a coach's fault. They're bad at it. They don't pick up big plays. How is this team supposed to score? Arizona's 16th in the country in success rate on offense, they're 25th on defense. They just went to Mississippi State and took the Bulldogs to overtime. They should have won that game. They dominated that game. They outgained Mississippi State 416 to 268. Jaden Delora had 336 yards against an SEC defense. He is going to shred 
UTEP. The problem was he threw four picks. I don't expect that against this Miners team. He knows he cost this team the game last week. I'm banking on a big bounce back from him. They had a 50% success rate on offense against Mississippi State. Regardless of what you think of their defense, they're an SEC team. They're going to crush UTEP. Also, Jacob Cowing revenge game. Former Miner is going to light up his old defense, especially if you talked about former players. If they don't like Dana Dimmel, what do you think Cowan's going to do? Bet the farm on him to score Saturday responsibly. Actually, you know, we don't even take – do we ever take player props on this? Can I throw a Jacob Cowing anytime touchdown? Can yeah, I make that my best bet? Cowing touchdown, bonus bet. Arizona's first in the country in EPA against the run. If they take away this UTEP rushing game and they make Hardison throw it around, it's going to get ugly. He's going to need some more apologies. Minor Nation, I might be fading you every single week, and I apologize. I love you. It'll get better soon. We'll be back on your team. But for now, the Pac-12 is a wagon. Give me Arizona. This is exciting for me. This is the first time in the season I get to ask you this. So what's the number that you got for Arizona? 17. Okay. Uh, where would you tease it up to on the alternate line? Like where, um, is, where does your imagination, 20, like the 24? end of your imagination in this blowout? 24. 24. Okay. So I mean, what did, what did, what did Northwestern beat him by? And I know it's, you can't really do the transitive property. Yeah. Like Northwestern beat him by 30. <laughs> what would you have UTEP and Northwestern power rated? You know, 10 points, maybe. Probably I mean, not that much. If I move it, that's seven <laughs> points. Uh, books are pretty stingy about this. They probably give you like plus 215. I think it's worth it because I, I think narrative speaking. And it's the, it's like, the quit factor. If right. they have quit, Arizona beats them by 40. Yeah. If they hang tight, they probably still win by 20. <laughs> yeah. McMillan and Cowing on the perimeter, they got no answers for those guys. Those guys are absolute capital D dudes. They're going to have huge games. They're both going to be playing on Sundays at some point. McMillan probably as like a second round pick. Like that's, that that's the kind of talent that he has. I still can't believe they got him to come to Tucson. Like, I don't know how um, the coaching staff pulled that off, but kudos to them. And I agree. Pac-12 is a wagon. So let's lean into it a little bit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we're going to wrap the show here with our underdog money line parlay last year i was just way off the mark with my games i mean i was taking underdogs that were losing by 35 points i've been so close <laughs> i've been so close i believe i lost by three was that a shot at me with yukon was that a shot at me with you that was not that was not a veiled shot that was a direct shot for me that was a little friendly fire on my side week one i had akron they lost by three they blew a 14 point lead on the road to temple and then i had boise last week and that game couldn't have been like script wise how i envisioned it would go Unfortunately, you know, John Rice Plummy gets, gets hurt, but I did figure there was a chance that like something weird was going to happen with him, either bad play or injury came to fruition. They couldn't cash that ticket for me. 
So before we get into this, just a reminder that BBOC is brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. And a reminder on the programming front that Stucky and Colin will be back this week with their full FBS buffet every single meaningful game. They'll go through the trash picks. They'll go through, you know, the top of the card. Nothing left, you know, no stone left unturned when it comes to those two guys. And on Saturday's BBOC live show, I'll do a tape segment that I'll give out my best bet in G5 land and then Brett's. Colin and Stucky cut it up live, talking all the latest news for injuries, availability, you know, um, weather, everything that's going to impact those final decisions that you're making, as well as a market report in terms of steam and line movement and all that good stuff. All right. So on to the money line parlay here. I'm going to get started with a team that's after their first game, their quarterback gets hurt. And then their second game, they lie to us. They say he's going to play, and then he doesn't play. I'm like, I am done with the Ohio Bobcats. Well, that is a lie because I am back in on the Bobcats over Iowa State here. Curtis Rourke, I think that was the rust game. He got it out of the system. I think he's ready. But more importantly, I'm just going to ask this open-ended question. Is Ohio's defense really good? Because they're 25th in quality drives on D. They're 15th in havoc. They're 36th in tackling, according to PFF. They've only given up 30 points on the whole season, and that's playing two likely bowl teams, in my opinion, San Diego State and FAU. That's a quality win to go into Boca Raton and to win against an Owls team. They had nine TFLs in that game, so they're flying around. They're making plays. And Iowa State, this looks like an emotional letdown game to me. Like, they just gave, you know, gave the game away to an Iowa team. Like, when you're down 17 nothing to the Iowa Hawkeyes, like, you may as well make it, like, 45 nothing to a regular team. They <laughs> fought back. They clawed in that Cyhawk game, and they couldn't get out of the hole. Now you have an 11 a.m. body clock game for them, a sleepy start against a G5 team that's hosting a Power 5 team. I think their crowd will be pumped up. I think if Ohio gets any positivity early, it's going to snowball. And I'm going to put my faith in, you know, the Maple Missile and see Bangura to get it going. I know he's had a slow start to the season, but I, I think the fact that we're getting plus money here, I'm going to tack it onto this parlay and hope for the best. I don't hate it. Wiggly still doesn't look 100%. Uh, I watched every snap of this game, and it was horrific. Florida Atlantic had, had so many chances to win this game. You mentioned it. I'm not totally sure if it's like the FAU offensive line was an issue, but Thompson was under pressure every snap. He just he couldn't get anything going. He had guys open. They would drop it. So. I don't know if Ohio just wrecks havoc or if FAU is just worse than I thought, but it was so frustrating. Uh, but I'm glad you took a G5 against the Power 5 because we are the G5 boys, and I unfortunately have to do the opposite. I said the Pac-12 is a wagon. Give me Arizona State plus 135. I just think there's a lot of uncertainty in this game. Arizona State against Fresno State at home. Look, Arizona State has not looked good at all through two games, but they were – breaking in a completely new coaching staff, new head coach, new system, true freshman quarterback. I think Jaden Rashada showed flashes of extreme upside, his talent level. He's also shown he's a true freshman in a new offense. So I think it's going to take time. Running games look fine, Scadabo and Brooks, but passing attack needs to get clicking. They have pretty good weapons. Again, I just think they need time. And defense has looked fine. I trust Kenny Dillingham. Obviously what he did at Oregon, you know, obviously he was against Georgia, but their offense was horrific the first game. And then it was humming by the end of the year. I trust him to get things fixed. Give Rashada more time. Drew Pine's back. I don't really want him to play, but at least that gives them an experienced safety blanket if Rashada struggles out the gate. Fresno State has won two super close games so far. A close win over Purdue looks good, but a close win over Eastern Washington does not. And I still have questions about the ceiling of this Bulldogs team. You know, Keen at quarterback is still just a guy to me. They're still replacing so many weapons. 
I think there's a lot of uncertainty in this game, so that's why I wouldn't play the spread just because I, I haven't liked what I've seen from Arizona State. But I think if they play their talent level and Dillingham can get this offense to you know operate his system, I'm getting a Pac-12 team as an underdog at home. So I like the upside more of the Sun Devils. So give me Arizona State plus 135. And kind of an underrated, raucous place to play. A lot of weird things happen, you know, in Tempe. I'm riding with the two Arizona schools. Yeah, it's just like, I I remember in college, they had a game where it was a blackout and most of their fans just had t-shirts that said, we know how to blackout. And I was like, that's Arizona State leaning into their culture, leaning into their fan experience. It's kind of like the old miss of Arizona, like, they're there for a party, and if things get going early, I think it, it's a positive opportunity. As you said, it's such a young team. You know, they've not soured on the new coach. They've certainly not soured on the young quarterback. He comes in as one of the most highly touted quarterback recruits in the entire country. So, I, I get the upside of this play, um, and I agree. Fresno State. It's like, do we really know how good Purdue is? And not yet. Where you know, it's going to take a couple months to really figure out what kind of team they're going to be. Are they going to be a four and eight team? Or kind they're of a home dog against Syracuse this week. So. Yeah. So we're we're going to find out what that win really means in the coming weeks. But I think it's an opportunity to take advantage of like a bit of a market inefficiency there, and it's a rare opportunity to get you know power five team at home as a dog. So let's pair those two up, and hopefully we can get off the schneid here and hit one of these. And uh, really, you know, sweeten the the pot of picks that we're putting out here. Before we sign off, I, I had two quick games I just wanted to ask you about really quick to get your opinion mm-hmm. on. One, I almost took this as my underdog, but like you said, we've had a rough stretch. So I'm trying to play it a little safe versus swinging for the fences. If I was going to swing for the fences, San Jose State plus 275 against Toledo. I know a Toledo team you don't love. Toledo as a favorite tends to not be profitable. I still like the upside of Cordero. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, I, that was a, a game I almost picked too, just because I believe in Cordero. I believe in their head coach. I mean, he's, is he like the nicest coach in America? Like, he's just <laughs> yeah, so positive. Like every time like he comes on screen, no matter what's happening with San Jose State, I'm like, it's going to be okay. And I'm just like, no, he's not talking to me. He's talking to his players. Like I, he just has that calming, like third grade teacher energy where it's like, everybody just sit down on the carpet. We're going to read a book. It's going to be okay. So like, no matter what happens in this game, it's so rare in college that I absolutely trust a guy to write the ship and he's one of them. It's just what Cordero do we get? Cause he's going to need yeah. to ball out to win this game against a Toledo team that has better talent, but I've seen him do it. And the last two years, he's looked pretty damn good. So I think that's an interesting play. I've seen a lot of plays. I believe both Colin and Stucky are on it. Everyone fading your boy Pavia, New Mexico, New Mexico state. Are you still, are we still a Pavia podcast or are you, are you switching to the other side of the New Mexico, New Mexico State rivalry in this one? We're still a Pavia podcast. Diego, Diego. But you can't, make, <laughs> you can't make me bet every G5 game. Like, I'll just do that on my own. You can't force me to do that. Um, yeah, I, I need to... I need some space after the way that he played in that week zero opener against UMass. That was, uh, that was painful. I probably need a whole month. There's no juice to, for me for this New Mexico State rivalry. I know... They have a rivalry name. I think it's the Rio Grande Valley rivalry or something. I, I don't care. Sure. There's, there's too many good games. Like one that was on the cutting room floor for me, Southern Miss catching 11 against a two. I had that I had written down. It's like 12 and a half now. I don't think Pratt's playing, so I think it's going up. Right. I mean, the nasty bunch, I, I know the Florida State dropped a nuclear bomb on them last week, but like Florida State may be one of the top two or three teams in the whole country. So like, I don't really care about that that data set. Like, I understand that 
we lost that as a bonus bet and didn't go down val- valiantly in that fight. But I, <laughs> all the reasons I like Southern Miss are still there. So the fact that it's double digits, I think is great. And really the only other one that I will put my name to as a bonus bet, Colorado State, Colorado, the total here was off by seven points for my projection. It's a sitting at 59. Like we saw Colorado State in the opener. And I don't think Millen, I don't think Millen's playing. I, I, well, even if Millen doesn't play, I believe that Colorado could score 45 points in this game. So <laughs> the fair. question is, can Colorado State with their skill positions and how weak the Buffaloes are up front potentially to run the ball a little bit, like can I get 17 or 20 points out of the Rams? Because if so, I think this is going to blow past this number. So that's my bonus bet on the total. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, like I said, Millen not playing scares me. It's Fowler Nicolsi. Yeah, like I mean, you, you said it. If you get, I, I, well, I think what's going to help you is Dion makes it very clear he wants Shador and Travis Hunter in the Heisman picture. So in terms of other teams, if Colorado's up fifty nothing, sure they probably don't play Travis Hunter one hundred and twenty five snaps. Do you think he pulls his son if they're up, or does he th- let him throw for six touchdowns? Like. I mean, I've watched every one of their games, every snap. I don't even know who their backup quarterback is. They haven't shown that kid once. Talk about like the the least visibility on I mean, the whole Colorado team. So when they also when in his opening press conference he goes, "There's your quarterback." Why would anyone transfer in there to be not right. the quarterback? Exactly. <laughs> well, I assume the kid stinks. So it's and like Dion makes it clear, Shadur, he wants him in the Heisman Trophy. So I think he probably lets him cook this whole game. So that that'll certainly help your over. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the BBOC banner. A reminder on the programming front that you can catch Colin and Stucky giving their full cards on Thursday. So be sure to update your podcast feed there. And as always, please subscribe, comment. We had a, a listener comments last week. I threw in a three-teamer parlay for 10 bucks for him. Happy to do it. Just give us a five-star shout-out. Um, these, rating, these rating means a lot. They d- did not come close to winning. Not, <laughs> you got money line. You got money line was there, but it was my real American dollars. So I'm more than happy to subsidize some of these wild parlay dreams. Um, so that's it for us this week. Best of luck on Saturday. And before you know it, we're going to have something I'm really excited about this year, which is Conference USA midweek action, Maction. Like there's going to be so much good conference play in October and November. So try to cherish these, you know, Saturdays where the slate is basically 85, 90% full because you're going to be stretching your attention moving forward. All right, guys, have a good one and best of luck. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.